across America and around the world. Famous vintners and favorite destinations. We share the stories behind the wines. Welcome to Vintage, hosted by the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. And after 12 years on the radio, we migrate with the rest of the world to podcasting. Welcome to the show and the new brand, This is Vintage, about a year in the works, and for our loyal listeners in the Western U.S., thank you for migrating to this medium where we plan to expand our reach, explore new wine regions, and deliver much more content. In fact, we'll release the best of our wine library in the weeks and months to come, just as a vintner would, in a vertical format, 2006 to present our early shows from the wine trails of Oregon and Washington to Napa and Sonoma, New York City, Chicago, and beyond. We'll also bring you many new episodes. In fact, I was behind the scenes at the Naples Winter Wine Festival, spent time with Barbara Banke from Kendall Jackson, uh, Salvatore Ferragamo, the Mondavi family was there, so many people, an amazing weekend there. And we'll drop those spectacular shows in just a couple of weeks. Well, for those of you who are new to my approach, we certainly welcome you. This is, in wine terms, a very approachable show. I think the greatest compliment I ever received was from the late wine critic Cole Danahauer, who thanked me for sharing these stories. Uh, One of the great wine writers of his time, he called me the voice of wine. I thought, wow, Cole just called me the voice of wine. I better take this pretty seriously. But the point was not to take it too seriously. This show isn't about me. It never has been. It never, ever will be. Hey, I'm your host. I'm your guide. I'm a storyteller. I'm certainly curious, love to explore and and meet new people. That's about it. I am not a wine critic. You know, I've enjoyed a lot of fine wine. I could probably recommend wines, but I've just never felt it's my place to to rate wines. You know, everybody has a different palate, uh, favorite varietal or region. I am certainly not a master of wine or a sommelier. If anything, I guess I'm a steward. I want to share the stories behind the wines and the vines and the people and the places That's what this show is all about, the people sharing their story in their words. And I can't think of anyone better to introduce you to than a couple from Woodenville, Washington, who are really the first family, the ambassadors for that state's industry, Greg and Stacy Lill, two of the nicest, most genuine people in any business. Greg founded DeLille Cellars, led that brand to the top with Stacy before they sold that a couple years ago, and we knew it was never a good buy for these two. Just on to the next chapter. They still own their popular property about 30 minutes northeast of Seattle, and I stopped to visit with Greg and Stacy at their chateau in Woodenville, and from now on, it's known as Chateau Lille. Formerly known as DeLille Cellars, it is our family property that has been in the Lille family for well over 30 years. We have been doing premier events at this property, which is a 10-acre, beautiful property with gardens, barns, ponds, a chateau, and we've been doing premier events here for well over 25 years, and we're just rebranding to focus on expanding the events and the special occasions and things that we do here. So the tradition lives on. And Greg, I, I hand this over to you because, uh, you know, this is 27 years that you've invested. And DeLille, as we've seen in the news, making a huge announcement here, moving all of the production to Red Hook. So everything will be under one roof. And so it's great to see. I know you as a, a partner in DeLille have got to be pretty excited about what's happening there. Oh, I think it's fantastic. I think it's going to be wonderful to finally have everything under one roof, which um, is something we haven't had for a while. And it'll just make for a much more uh, cohesive environment for everybody and a great experience for our customers. It's the best of both worlds for the two of you, though, because you see what you poured your heart and soul in the last you know, 25 plus years continue. And yet you still have this little piece of heaven here in Woodenville, right? 
Yeah, it's great because, you know, when my parents bought this property back in 1980, it was just a little farmhouse in the barns and the, the ponds that are here were just kind of really mud holes at the time. And we started fixing things up and improving the property and really turning it into the, the idyllic little kind of heaven it is. And with the um, winery moving everything into one space, it allows us now to really kind of take over the rest of the building and the property to really develop it into this event and space for the community and for charities, for different events that we're going to be doing and really make it a year-round space to enjoy what's the best about the Northwest. And that's the beauty of the, the natural terrain and, and natural environment, the farm setting we have here with alpaca sheep and our three new goats that we just got. We got three new cashmere goats. Just kind of building on that and really got some exciting ideas with some maybe potential restaurant pop-ups and other uh, ways to use this space to really make it more of a a place for the community to come and enjoy. It's exciting. And what, you know, we think of uh, this property, I know so many memories here. The wine is phenomenal. But for so many people across this region, this property is special because they have great memories here, right? Absolutely. It's so fun and really rewarding for us when we're out and about and we run into people that say, I got married there. I had an anniversary party there. I've been there for other weddings. I had a corporate event. We'd love to do a corporate event. It's been exciting in the last few weeks since launching the rebranded name, which the Puget Sound Business Journal wrote a really nice article and some other uh, columnists have articles in the works. But it's been fun to hear people talk about memories and things that they've done here. And also, like Greg mentioned, we're going to be doing some new exciting things that if you haven't had a memory here, we're going to create opportunities for more people to create special memories. And before you give us a preview of the exciting things to come, tell us about these goats. This is pretty exciting. Uh, The goats are so fun and they're adorable. So um, Greg and I have had a consulting practice for a number of years that we call Cashmere Consulting, and that is a play on a wine that we started uh, called Cashmere, and we can talk about that in a bit, but it just seemed like the next natural step to maybe have some Cashmere goats, in large part because in the rebranding that we've done, we took the family crest and we looked at it with a designer and really talked about it and went through our family history. And we're updating the crest to include more of what we've added over the last 30 years to the family business and what we're doing. And so there is a piece of the crest that incorporates a silhouette of a cashmere goat. It's got wheat, grapes, Greg's family can trace their history of wine back to 1574. So it pays tribute to the original 1574 on the uh, crest that was we have as the original. And so the cashmere goats came along. They're not easy to find. They came from Montana. We have three of them, two adult females and one female baby that uh, we're going to be having a name the goat contest. So keep a look on our Instagram and our Facebook page at Chateau Lil for more information. Greg and Stacy Lil joining us on Vintage uh, 1574. I think I can trace my family lineage back to 1974. So <laughs> 1574. Tell us what that was like for the Lil family 400 years ago. Well, you know, they were um, originally from the town of Lille, and then through the wonderful historical uh, dilemmas that came about with uh, religious persecution, they ended up, they were Huguenots and ended up in what was Czechoslovakia. That's where my father actually grew up. But it was interesting. I went back to the town of Lille, because de Lille means of Lille, in the very kind of northwest corner of France uh, back in 2000. And I brought all our paperwork with us that uh, showed that family history back to 1574. And I'm so lucky because I was, my French is very, you know, restaurant and wine French and not necessarily conversational French, although I'm working on that. I found a young woman there that was doing her thesis on medieval history from Columbia University. And uh, she uh, comes around the corner and I run into her. She's looking very American. I told her what I was up to and what I wanted to do. This was at the city hall in the town of Lille. And she goes, oh, come with me. We'll go downstairs. I bet you we'll find this. And so we go downstairs and she, she starts getting out these big leather bound books and finds what I had back to 1574. She goes, but you're of Lille. You know, this, um, you know, you, you, you must go back farther. Let, let's keep looking. And sure enough, she keeps looking, keeps looking. We keep going through book after book after book after book. And we're in the uh, 1300s, still finding Lil. 
And she starts to look at me like, you know, the, and the books are getting thinner now, right? Because, you know, we're getting older, not as many people. And she's got to look at me and she's going like, you know, um, you know, you're back pretty far here. You know, you may have some, some nobility in your, yeah. your family. And I'm starting to feel pretty good about this. And, and we flip a couple more pages and she finds us again. And then she goes, Oh. And I go, whoa, wait a minute, that didn't sound very good. What was that? She goes, well, here you are, and you were actually, your family was actually the head servants to the nobility. That's why you were inside the city wall. That's why you had the name of Lil. So even though we were of Lil inside the city wall, we weren't nobility, but we were servants, which I think that's still a lot of what we do today is we serve. I would say that's so appropriate because the two of you, that was my next question, is, I mean, nobody knows more people from more places, not only across, we talked about Seattle, but across the country. Destin, Napa Valley, we saw you on a plane back from New York not long ago. I mean, everywhere you go, everything you do, it's not only about Lil or your wines or cashmere, it's about really lifting Washington wine, isn't it? Absolutely. That has been a paramount message that Greg and I have always wanted to do as we travel around the country is that we not only want to talk about our own brands, but really talk about Washington wine in general and what Washington has to offer because there's such amazing wines being made here in Washington. In fact, we have more 90 plus point scoring wines in Washington than anywhere else in the world for the number of wineries that we have. So it's a really special honor to be a part of that and Greg and I love to connect people together, too. And so as we travel around and do what we do in the wine community, it just has been a natural for us to always be listening to people and hearing what it is they're trying to do. And we love to connect people with one another that can be relationships that will go forward and be positive for greater success for all parties. And that's what everybody loves about you. You're real people. And there are some people in the wine industry. Well, let's talk about my wine. That's not how you guys are. You're very real people. Um, you care about people. And you, you, you know, you run a great business. And you know, to see the success you've had, I mean, it's been well earned. It's been it's been a hard deal. I mean, we see all the fun stuff. We see you at the events. We see you pouring wine. We see you rubbing elbows with princes. Right? We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. But this is hard work, isn't it? It's constant hard work and it's, you know, at the end of the day, it's farming, it's agriculture. Look, I'm out feeding my goats, my alpaca and sheep regularly. We are everyday people and I always say I have a little bit of farmer in me, but you can dress me up too. I love black tie events. But anyway, it's, yeah, it's a lot of hard work and there's no doubt that Greg and I put in a lot of effort, but it's just really part of who we are. It's our, about our goals and our values and we wouldn't know what else to do if we weren't continuing to work and create and be thinking about what's next. For all the entrepreneurs out there, Greg, was there a moment over the last 25, 30 years where you're thinking, man, what did I do? I mean, am I going to make it? Is this, is this really the way it's going to go? I mean, did you have any one of those moments? You know, I never did. I, you know, I always saw the vision of this and I believed in it, you know, 150%. I have a real strong entrepreneurial kind of bent in me and I could see it. I can see the vision and things I think, you know, well in advance, maybe, you know, than compared to other people. I don't know. And I continue to work on those, you know, big visionary projects. I never saw this not working. I just believed in it so strongly and it's, uh, it's definitely come to fruition. And I've, I've really tried to take that same positive energy and work in helping with other friends that got involved in the wine business. I've got a, a very good friend, John Bigelow at JM Sellers, when he got started in the wine business and he was a good friend, you know, before wine business days. And when he got started and the economy kind of took a turn and he was thinking about, you know, maybe packing it in. I said, John, you can't do that. You got two vintages in barrel. You're just getting ready to release your first vintage. It'll get bottled. You can't stop now. You've done 90% of the hard work. You know, now you just got to get it done, get it out there and you got to sell it, which is tough, but you've done all that background work. You can't give up now. And he didn't give up. I'm so thankful for that. And he's now out there and he's making great wine and he's a good friend. And, it, and it's fun because I love to hear him tell that story because I get people that come up to me all the time and tell me the story of what I talked to John about in years past. And John relays that to all his friends. And that's what Greg and Stacy do. They support others all over the country 
and around the world. In fact, we'll share an amazing story with the Prince of Monaco later in the show. From Tuscany to the Tarawa of Oregon, this is Vintage with the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. And as I mentioned off the top of the show, Greg and Stacy Lill weren't riding off into the sunset when they sold to Lil Cellars. They were already plotting their next moves, and that includes a massive vineyard project in eastern Washington. And of course, they'll have some new releases for us as well. Yes, we also have, we do have some new wines in the works, and it'll be really fun in 2019 to be able to bring a couple of those to market. And um, down the road, some other just exciting things, which we cannot talk about. But one thing I can talk about today is our cashmere wine. And that is something that Greg and I have had since 2005. It's a high-end Chardonnay that has been a little bit of a secret. It's kind of that special thing that we keep behind the curtain. We've made 50 to 100 cases each year, predominantly friends and family and just special occasion for things that we're doing. I do love to share it with wine enthusiasts, and I happened to share it with the wine director at Canlis, Nelson, one year, and he loved it, and I'm proud to say that it is the uh, most expensive Washington Chardonnay on the Canlis wine list. But really, it's been a very behind-the-scenes, quiet thing that we've done, and I look forward to, in these next few years, bringing forward some of the, bringing this wine more into the forefront, but also some other wines that we have in the works and some other really creative ideas that we have in creating new brands. It'll be fun. Well, I remember the first time I had that. I think it was at Grapes on the Green like five years ago. You know, you're just sitting around having some wine and like, what the? What is this? Right? Where did this come from? <laughs> I think yeah, because we had it. Uh, we had it at our table. Not we weren't pouring it out in public that time, and and don't very often. But um, yep, it's it's been fun, and it, it really originated from back in the early two thousands. I I had said to Greg, "How come no one in Washington is making a really high end, nice nicer Chardonnay?" And because I, after being around this industry for a long time, I find it kind of comical that if you were to look at, there's a thousand wineries in Washington, and if you went on the websites of most of them and look at what their their goal is, and it's to make the best Bordeaux-style blend in Washington, well, a thousand wineries are all trying to do the same thing. And I know from experience in creating my own wines that Chardonnay is, well, it, up until recently, it was the most planted grape in Washington State. It also is the most sold wine by the glass in the country. Women love it. And, you know, we live in a a world where people like to just kind of look past it because there are so many other varietals and so many things, but it's still something that is near and dear to many people's hearts. And so I had said, let's see, why isn't anybody making a wine of the caliber and the, the flavor profile that I was talking about to Greg. And he said, you know what, why don't we try it? So we've been fortunate enough to get some of the best fruit in the state of Washington. It's a Cold Creek Chardonnay grapes, block seven specifically, that is just really been a great grape to work with. And it's been fun over the years having it made by some of the different top winemakers in the Woodenville area. Let's just say this. For the record, it's not your grandma's Chardonnay, right? <laughs> no, it's not at all. It's pretty big, uh, robust. It's um, We do 50% new French and 50% uh, neutral barrel. It goes through full malolactic fermentation. It's, it's a nice, robust. I think it's really yummy. The name Cashmere came about because Greg and I thought we've got to come up with a name, and we sat around on several occasions while traveling and you know waiting in a at the airport or in a bar and having a glass of wine and writing on a cocktail napkin. What's a name? What's a name? What? And we kept writing down names. And when we put all the napkins together, the name Cashmere kept coming up on multiple occasions. And it really was because Cashmere is, it's luscious, it's elegant, it's cozy, it's warm, it makes you feel good. And that's a lot of what we wanted this wine to evoke. It's okay to make a Chardonnay on oak, right? I mean, that's still okay to do that, right? I mean, it's become kind of this, let's, everybody's kind of, you know, gone to stainless, right? I mean, you're bringing it back to what it's supposed to be, right? Ah, the pendulum swings with a lot of things, and it is. You know, sometimes people say, oh, ABC, anything but Chardonnay, but there's still a, there is a cult of folks that love Chardonnay and love a robust Chardonnay, and that's not going to go away. Chateau Lil with Greg and Stacy Lil. So many things going on between the two of you collectively. 
Let's talk about this vineyard project. Uh, this was in, in the news recently, and so this is all, all public information, at least a lot of it. Uh, tell us what's going on, because um, I'm excited about this, because I, I, I'm an Eastern Oregon kid. Anytime I see something in the gorge, I think, man, this is just untapped potential, and, and you're tapping into it. Yeah, it's, it's a huge project, and I mean huge. There's a family over there that uh, we're working with that owns, I think, a total of about 11,000 acres total in uh, eastern Washington in the Goldendale kind of area, and that's where this vineyard's located. Um, it's right on the Columbia River, about 15 miles east of the uh, Maryhill facility, east of the John Day uh, Dam uh, bridge there. And they have, of those 11,000 acres, they have about 4,000 that are contiguous that run the ridge line all the way down to the river and run along the river for miles and miles and miles. And it, it's interesting they've master planned 11,000 acres of the 4,000. But if you took the 4,000 acres, and I was doing a little bit of math on this the other day, if somebody wanted to, and it'd be this would be way too ambitious at this point. I mean, 1,100 acres is very ambitious. But um, if you took the 4,000 acres and wanted to create a vineyard project around that 4,000 acres, that would be about 25% larger than all of Walla Walla. It would be the largest contiguous vineyard in the United States, maybe the world. I mean, this is a huge, potentially huge project. Master planned 1,100 acres. We're uh, working on uh, grading the land right now. We've got all the irrigation. I spoke to the, actually one of the managers today. They've got most of the irrigation work in. The family acquired the, I think it was the uh, Martin Marietta aluminum plant that was there. So they have 4,000 acre feet of water rights. So there's tons of water, um, working on 125 acres to get planted next spring, got our first investor involved. So things are off and running and it's a unique site. I took Dick Boucher out there when about six months ago to look at it or my gosh, now almost a year ago and came over the ridge and he kind of went, Oh my gosh, where's this place been hiding? I've never seen this before. And there's one weather station there. So it looks like it's what it could be the third warmest site in Eastern Washington, but it gets a little bit of extra rain because it's that much closer to the West coast, even though it's on the gorge, it's still definitely Eastern Washington, but also from a hospitality standpoint, which is part of the, what we're working on with this project, it's an hour and 45 minutes from Portland. You can see Mount Hood in the distance. So it really gives the, the Portland metropolitan area a way to come out and do wine country you know for the weekend which is really kind of tough to do from seattle you know that can be a long way so this is drivable from portland for the weekend and uh could really make it into a very very unique unique uh space for wine hospitality hotel maybe golf lots of things because there's the, the potential is unlimited you were reading my mind i'm thinking golf course i'm thinking we have stay and play right i mean this is a destination and i uh, kudos to, uh, you know, Mary Hill for planting the flag out there, what, 20 years ago now. I mean, this, that, that is a region that Oregon and Washington share, that, that Columbia Gorge region that is like nothing else in the country. You see that, that mighty Columbia River. I mean, with all due respect to the Mississippi and the other great rivers in America, I mean, every time I, I cross the Columbia, I think, man, that is the river. I mean, what a region that is. And you talk about growing grapes there. You've got that river to protect you from freezes. And, I mean, it's, it's really a special area. Yeah, that's, it's great that you brought that up because the, the, when you talk about the river protecting you from a freeze, it kind of sounds a little bit like an oxymoron in a way, but you have to think about, you know, if you're over there in Eastern Washington and, and the one, one of the, the, really the only one thing we worry about uh, in our growing climate at all is that winter kill. We don't have any of the pests and diseases and bugs like they really have in California. It's winter kill. It's that super cold weather in the wintertime. Well, anybody that's seen the Columbia River, this is, this is not your little babbling brook. This is a huge river. It is like in Mississippi. It is, it's a big, broad river. And in the wintertime, imagine that is one giant 40, 42 degree heater when the ambient temperature outside might be five degrees or zero or minus five. So, it is a massive heater which protects any of the vineyard land that's anywhere within, you know, really, you know, several, several, you know, hundred to maybe a thousand feet coming off that river. And uh, the other good part is that cold air pools. So even if there's cold air, 
if you're up on the ridge, that cold air drains down, but then it hits that warmth of the river, so it kind of neutralizes that cold. And so all of a sudden, you've got really a perfect winter temperature. So it's a it's an amazing, amazing thing that Mother Nature's provided us when you look at a large river like that. The scope of that vineyard, too, is absolutely, I mean, you think about it, mind-boggling. You talk about bigger than all of Walla Walla. I mean, you know, we're talking about Walla Walla being a, a, a big area. I mean, the potential you have here is is really... I don't want to say unlimited, but I mean, for the time being, you got a lot of room to, to move here, don't you? Oh, yeah. Well, this, you know, when, I, when we talk 1,100 acres even four, and 4,000 acres, uh, we're, we're talking decades. Yeah. I mean, this is, a, this is huge. But it is, when you stand at the top of the ridge, they built a little, like, outlook deck there, and it is, it is visually stunning. I mean, I've been in this business for, you know, 27 years, 28 years. I have never seen a vineyard site so massive that could be so stunning. Usually, usually these, you know, fabulous vineyard sites are these small little, you know, nooks or crannies or enclaves or whatever, whatever it might be. And, you know, Red Mountain, huge fans of Red Mountain, but, you know, this is, you know, quadruple the size of Red Mountain in its entirety. So it, it's, it's just a huge, huge, uh, piece of property that has that same stunning vista and views and topography across the whole 4,000 acres. How'd you get involved? A good friend of mine here in Seattle was involved with the family originally. And through friends of friends, he got um, some investors involved like Alan Shoup, Edgar Martinez, a couple other prominent Seattle business people. And they were uh, really looking for somebody that um, had a good pulse on the wine uh, industry and what was going on here in Washington and wanted to kind of go to that next level. And so they came to me and asked me if I'd be interested in being involved. I took one look at the site and I said, man, count me in. This is stunning. I, I definitely want to be a part of this. People that can, who knows where that might take them in their life. So does that mean you're going to seat me next to the Prince of Monaco at the next event? If he's in town and if you're at that event, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I'd probably seat Amy next to him, but you could sit next to her. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a better call. Yeah, <laughs> It's pretty amazing, though. What's it like to be involved in, in events like that? At, at that that caliber, I mean, we interact with you at the auction of Washington wines, or you know, grapes on the green. But tell us about an event in Monaco. What's that like? Really, at the end of the day, he is just trying to do good for our world and for the people. And he's got some initiatives that are very important to him. And so he brings people together to help raise awareness and and do good for those issues, such as the conservationism. He's really interested in space right now as well. And so what we found when we go to these events, it's just really enjoyable to talk to the other guests and find out where people are from and, and why they're there and how can we all continue to work together to raise awareness for whatever the different issues are. And it's it's really fun. I mean, he the the Prince Albert is actually a really interesting guy. He's an everyday guy too. In so many ways, he was schooled in the USA. It's an eye opening thing, and it's at the end of the day, people are people, and it's just fun to connect with all different types of people from all walks of life, and it just makes our world so much more robust. And Greg, I know you've been along for the ride there too. You're the one that went to the event and got this all started. So I mean it has to feel good for you too. Yeah, it, it's, it's fun. You know, we've, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, where we come up with these connections and it really all focuses back to the wine. If it wouldn't be about the wine or because of the wine, we wouldn't, those opportunities wouldn't be there. So, you know, it's really not about Stacy and I, it's about the wine and it's fun to see it happen. And Stacy kind of mentioned this and, you know, something I always love to tell people is that if you want to be, you know, success doesn't happen on its own. You, you make your success happen. And we're, that's why we're out there a lot because we've seen time and time again where amazing relationships and successes come from events and people and experiences that we never expected them to come from. And like I said, Joe Bunner asked me to do this, this luncheon. It was for the State Department. There's going to be some, you know, different consulates there. You know, we had no idea it was going to lead to what it's led to with, with uh, Prince Albert and Monaco. And they've just become friends as a relationship through the wine and, as uh, Stacy mentioned, we're going to be going there. Uh, this will be the first time we'll go. Uh, we've been to Monaco many times, but the first time we're actually going and we're invited to the palace. 
were invited to be a part of all the festivities. We we actually got our uh, wardrobe attire recommendations. <laughs> Stacy has to get a hat for one of the events. <laughs> so it's uh, we're going to kind of delve into this world of royalty a little bit and see what that's all about. Which, uh, but knowing Prince Albert, he, he's such an easygoing guy. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to it. But we have, we have so many wonderful stories of where we've met wonderful people just because of the love of this uh, liquid that's in a glass. And it's just led to relationships and um, friendships that are, are worldwide. Everything from uh, King Harold, I was here, from Norway to, uh, again, you know, Prince Albert to um, uh, we've, our wines have been served at the White House on many occasions. It's a fun, fun experience, that's for sure. And you, you said, but it's not, it's not about us, it's about the wine, which I mean is I'm self-deprecating, but I mean, I got to call you on that one because it is about you. It's about Stacy. It's about people, right? I mean, I know what you mean. It's about wine bringing us together, but, but people are, gravi- they gravitate towards you. Do you feel that? Well, I, I think so. And I think, I, I, and we gravitate towards them. You know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a mutual love thing. You know, it's just, we're, we're very outgoing entrepreneurial type of people and those kind of people tend to kind of gravitate towards each other and i think people sense that and feel that and uh it's been a big part of our success in what we've done in the wine industry has been because we are people people and a lot of people say they'll look at us and they go oh my gosh how do you do this you know and i say well you know two things is one we're either stupid or b we, we just don't know any better you know because to us this is the norm and but we've been doing it so long it feels like the norm where if if you know if you were to get injected into this from day one yeah somebody would probably go like oh my gosh you know when when do you take time off to go sit at home in front of the tv and have a pizza you know and we we don't do that very often do we stace <laughs> <laughs> well, it also comes with a lot of organization from uh one of us but anyway <laughs> It, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's not easy, but as Greg pointed out, you know, success doesn't come easy. It, it You have to put in the effort, and it's really putting in the effort and going the extra mile and, and enjoying it along the way. And the wine really is, it's a common denominator that brings people together, but people really are, it's people are what keep people together and, and enjoy one another. And we have been really fortunate to meet people from all walks of life, and we we just love people, and we love hanging out with folks, and it's it's just a byproduct that people, you know, we all drink wine together and it makes it makes it fun. Speaking of people, we saw Hurricane Michael rip through the Florida Panhandle, the Gulf Coast, and I know the two of you have some dear friends in uh, Destin, Florida, and some great connections with the Destin Wine Auction, one of the premier events every year, and we've got that circled on our calendar. It's a goal to be down there. In fact, I've got the hotel reserved right down the street from Tommy Bahama, and we're hoping to join you there in late April. Uh, tell us about that event, Greg. I know that's uh, that's one that's near and dear to your heart, isn't it? You know, it really is. You know, a lot of people go, you know, Destin, where the heck is Destin? Well, it's in the panhandle of Florida. And, um, it, you know, we had a lot of questions about it when we were first introduced to it by Dave Reynolds, who was the auctioneer for that event, who also did the auction up here in Washington for many years. said, Greg, you got to go to Destin. Greg, you got to go to Destin. So finally, and one year we were down actually pouring at the Stagland Music Festival in Napa, which is another one we've done for, you know, over 20 years. We were the only Washington winery down there pouring next to Harlan and Screaming Eagle and Colgan and Bryant and all of those. And, and uh, which is a great humbling event to be at <laughs> after mentioning those wineries. But uh, great people there. But some of the people from Destin were there and they said, you got to come down to Destin. So we said, well, let's, get, come on, let's give it a try. These people are so nice. And we went down there and it was so refreshing that here are these people that are there. It's a second home kind of community for a lot of the Alabama region, Atlanta, Kansas City, Dallas, New Orleans. But it's that deep south, and I'll tell you that, that southern hospitality is alive and well. And they loved our wines. They loved Stacy and I. And so they would, and they would step up and buy our wines. And it wasn't, you know, some, sometimes you go places, you know, and if you're not Napa, you're kind of that other child, you know. And down there, they love us and they love the wine just like the top wines of Napa. And it's really, really heartwarming and very, very, you know, feels so good and it's so nice and against that southern hospitality and so we were with some of those friends actually in napa a few weeks ago and uh, they hurried home to get there before the hurricane and they ended up staying with friends in new orleans that we know but luckily destin was spared they were that kind of you know about 75 miles away from that epicenter you saw on the news so they 
they had a lot of, you know, tarps blown around in the streets and things like that and a lot of rain, but really no damage. So they, they kind of dodged that bullet. So they're, they're doing okay. So I think when we go down there in April, everything's going to be, uh, and look just wonderful. And, uh, as Stacey and I always say, one of the best things about going to Destin is there's nothing like getting out of Seattle at around the end of April. <laughs> okay. We've never asked you this question, but I figured, why not? How did the two of you meet? <laughs> How have we not ever covered that? It's funny. Well, wine was probably involved. Uh, charity was probably involved. So um, prior to meeting Greg, both of us were very involved in the philanthropic world. So a mutual friend, Ken Hatch, who, rest in peace, Mr. Hatch, he actually connected us. And it was one of his proudest things, his wife, uh, his his widow, mentioned to me recently that he was always so proud of connecting Greg and I together. But he introduced us at a charity luncheon for uh, celebrity waiters. I happened to be a waitress that year at a table that was a Moulin Rouge theme, and Greg was a guest at another table. And so we were introduced, and we just hit it off, and the rest is history. Stacy, as a server waitress at a Moulin Rouge event, Greg Lill is there, and the rest is history, right? Yep. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, no, it was. It was funny. He introduced me. You know, she's got these these fishnet stockings and this and this this whole can can outfit out. And I'm kind of and you know done up makeup, and I'm going like, yeah, well, yeah, she, I could see. Yeah, she's a, she's definitely a pretty gal, but I don't know if this is my style, you know. And then I met her at the after party where she had changed, and then she was definitely my style, and um, literally um, went out about uh, two weeks after that, and we've been dating ever since. So it's been a. Uh, Thank you, Ken Hatch, for introducing us. That's for sure. Are we still dating or are we married? That's right. That's right. We're married now. Yeah. It's always good to those still be dating, though, right? I mean, you've got to keep proving it, right? It, was, it feels like we're still dating. So after, you know, oh after 16 years, it uh, feels pretty good. Yeah. So we may be editing some of that uh, part out, but anyway. Oh, no, 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 no. It's all staying in. Hey, the two of you, congratulations on everything. And I mean, what's exciting is that, you know, you've already accomplished so much, but it feels like there's so much more with yeah. the vineyards, more wines. I mean, it's like, okay, it's almost, I want to see maybe this kind of this rebirth, you know, of, of everything you're doing, right? I think that Greg and I both are creative. As Greg mentioned, he came from a very entrepreneurial background with his parents. And I've always just had an entrepreneurial spirit. So he and I are always thinking and coming up with ideas. And our trip to Napa really just gave us a lot of new inspiration. Not that we needed it, but we are super excited about what's to come. And we just hope that we can accomplish it all in this lifetime because we have some really fun things in the works. Oh, they sure do. Chateau Lille, the site of so many memorable occasions over the years, and that will no doubt continue. So will all their relationships, including with many of you in the Florida panhandle and across the entire southeast who enjoy the Destin Charity Wine Auction, will be there coming up in April. Thank you for downloading Vintage, hosted by the voice of wine, Brian Bushlack. And now, as promised, a great story of how close the worldwide wine community really is. How did a couple from a rural community outside Seattle become good friends with Prince Albert of Monaco. I'll let Greg and Stacy Lill share the story. It started more five plus years ago, and it started here in Seattle. And, you know, Greg and I are big believers in, of course, connecting people, as I mentioned earlier, to for greater successes. And we're also um, very open to the idea of you never know what a day may bring. You never know what an event may bring. And we still, after all these years, have never figured out the real recipe for what are we going to go to? What type of an event are we going to go to that is going to be a grand slam for our purposes? You just never know. So with the Prince, this is how it all started, is that Greg had been asked to do a lunch. It was an economic development luncheon that was hosted by a friend of ours at Trident Seafoods, Joe Bundrant, who's been a good friend of our family for a lot of years. And Joe asked if Greg would provide the wine for that particular lunch, if Greg and I would both. He asked at the time if we would do Delil uh, Cellars wines as well as O wines. 
And we had agreed to do that. And um, on the day of the event, it ended up that I had something else come up that I needed to go and handle. And I said, Greg, can you, you know, you go handle this event. We oftentimes have to divide and conquer. So he went to the luncheon and poured the wines, gave the stories, talked about things. And at the end of the lunch, the um, U.S. ambassador to Monaco, who was in town, who resides in Washington, D.C., came up to Greg and said, I love the DeLille wines. She's French, loves loved the wines and said, would you be interested in doing an event for Prince Albert of Monaco's foundation in Palm Springs later in that same year? And that's what really started it. We went down to Palm Springs. We were at the Annenberg Resort, which is kind of the Camp David for all the the U.S. presidents of the uh, West Coast. They did this amazing awards event that had to do with conservationism. And the prince is really very interested in conserving not only land animals, the sea, what happens under the sea, his grandfather, fifth grandfather, great, great, his fifth great grandfather way down the chain was actually really integral in starting undersea exploration to see what was under the ocean. And there is the largest aquarium in the world in Monaco that is really interesting that was started with that. But anyway, it all started there and I have a huge affinity for conservationism and animals and things too. So I was very interested just personally. We went to that event and kind of just started from there. And then we've been invited to a number of different events over time. I think we've, we've been to six different events, I think with the embassy and the prince and poured wines at four of those different events. And so it just came from being open to, providing wine or meeting people and you never know where something's going to lead and it just makes it kind of fun so it's that and we just have had and we have a lot of stories like that where we have met so many people through other people but again bring it back around we love to introduce people to one another for the purposes of friendship and our successes in business and that's you know well brian that greg and i are involved in so many different philanthropic organizations and go to a lot of events and I orchestrate tables for many things. And I'm also, I'm always very thoughtful of how I seat my guests because I really want them to one, have a great time to help raise money and awareness for whatever the charity is. But also I really want personally for those guests to interact for the purposes of a really win-win evening and to meet new people that can, who knows where that might take them in their life. So does that mean you're going to seat me next to the Prince of Monaco at the next event? If he's in town and if you're at that event, absolutely. Actually, I'd probably seat Amy next to him, but you could sit next to her. (laughs) That'd be a better call, yeah. It's pretty amazing, though. What's it like to be involved in in events like that at at that that caliber? I mean, we interact with you at the auction of Washington Wines or, you know, Grapes on the Green. But tell us about an event in Monaco. What's that like? Really, at the end of the day, he is just trying to do good for our world and for the people. And he's got some initiatives that are very important to him. And so he brings people together to help raise awareness and and do good for those issues, such as the conservationism. He's really interested in space right now as well. And so what we found when we go to these events, it's just really enjoyable to talk to the other guests and find out where people are from and, and why they're there and how can we all continue to work together to raise awareness for whatever the different issues are. And it's, it's really fun. I mean, he, the, the Prince Albert is actually a really interesting guy. He's an everyday guy too. In so many ways, he was schooled in the USA. It's an eye opening thing. And it's at the end of the day, people are people. And it's just fun to connect with all different types of people from all walks of life. And it just makes our world so much more robust. And Greg, I know you've been along for the ride there, too. You're the one that went to the event and got this all started. So, I mean, it has to feel good for you, too. Yeah, it, it's, it's fun. You know, we've, you know, a lot of people wonder, you know, where we come up with these connections. And it really all focuses back to the wine. If it wouldn't be about the wine or because of the wine, we wouldn't, those opportunities wouldn't be there. So, you know, it's really not about Stacy and I. It's about the wine. And it's fun to see it happen. And Stacy kind of mentioned this. And you know, something I always love to tell people is that if you want to be, you know, success doesn't happen on its own. You, you make your success happen. And we're, that's why we're out there a lot because we've seen time and time again where amazing relationships and successes come from events and people and experiences that we never expected them to come from. And like I said, Joe Bunner asked me to do this, this luncheon. It was for the State Department. There's going to be some, you know, different consulates there. You know, we had no idea it was going to lead to what it's led to with 
with uh, Prince Albert and Monaco, and they've just become friends as a relationship through the wine. And as uh, Stacy mentioned, we're going to be going there. Uh, this will be the first time we'll go. Uh, we've been to Monaco many times, but the first time we're actually going and we're invited to the palace. We're invited to be a part of all the festivities. We we actually got our uh, wardrobe attire recommendations. <laughs> Stacy has to get a hat for one of the events, <laughs> so it's uh, we're going to kind of delve into this world of royalty a little bit and see what that's all about. Which, uh, but knowing Prince Albert, he, he's such an easygoing guy. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're looking forward to it. But we have we have so many wonderful stories of where we've met wonderful people just because of the love of this uh, liquid that's in a glass. And it's just led to relationships and um, friendships that are are worldwide. Everything from uh, King Harold, I was here from Norway to uh, again, you know, Prince Albert. To um, uh, we've our wines have been served at the White House on many occasion. It's a fun fun experience, that's for sure. And you you said, but it's not it's not about us. It's about the wine, which I mean is and self deprecating. But I mean, I got to call you on that one because it is about you. It's about Stacy. It's about people, right? I mean, I know what you mean. It's about wine bringing us together, but but people are gravit they gravitate towards you. Do you feel that? Well, I I think so, and I think I, I, and we gravitate towards them. You know, it's kind of a it's kind of a mutual love thing. You know, it's just we're we're very outgoing, entrepreneurial type of people, and those kind of people tend to kind of gravitate towards each other. And I think people sense that and feel that. And uh, it's been a big part of our success in what we've done in the wine industry has been because we are people, people. And a lot of people say, they'll look at us and they go, oh my gosh, how do you do this? You know, and I say, well, you know, two things is one, we're either stupid or B, we, we just don't know any better, you know, because to us, this is the norm. And, but we've been doing it so long, it feels like the norm where if, if, you know, if you were to get injected into this from day one yeah somebody would probably go like oh my gosh you know when when do you take time off to go sit at home in front of the tv and have a pizza you know and we we don't do that very often do we stace <laughs> <laughs> well, it also comes with a lot of organization from uh one of us but anyway <laughs> it, yeah it, i mean it's it's not easy but as greg pointed out you know success doesn't come easy it it you have to put in the effort and it's really putting in the effort and going the extra mile and and enjoying it along the way and the wine really is it's a common denominator that brings people together but people really are it's people are what keep people together and and enjoy one another and we have been really fortunate to meet people from all walks of life and we we just love people and we love hanging out with folks and it's it's just a byproduct that people you know we all drink wine together and it makes it makes it fun speaking of people we saw hurricane michael rip through the Florida Panhandle, the Gulf Coast. And I know the two of you have some dear friends in uh, Destin, Florida, and some great connections with the Destin Wine Auction, one of the premier events every year. And we've got that circled on our calendar. It's a goal to be down there. In fact, I've got the hotel reserved right down the street from Tommy Bahama, and we're hoping to join you there in late April. Uh, tell us about that event, Greg. I know that's uh, that's one that's near and dear to your heart, isn't it? You know, it really is. You know, a lot of people go, you know, Destin, where the heck is Destin? Well, it's in the panhandle of Florida. And, um, it, you know, we had a lot of questions about it when we were first introduced to it by Dave Reynolds, who was the auctioneer for that event, who also did the auction up here in Washington for many years. He said, Greg, you got to go to Destin. Greg, you got to go to Destin. So finally, and one year we were down actually pouring at the Staglin Music Festival in Napa, which is another one we've done for, you know, over 20 years. We were the only Washington winery down there pouring next to Harlan and Screaming Eagle and Colgan and Bryant and all of those. And, and uh, which is a great humbling event to be at <laughs> after mentioning those wineries. But uh, great people there. But some of the people from Destin were there and they said, you got to come down to Destin. So we said, well, let's get, come on, let's give it a try. These people are so nice. And we went down there and it was so refreshing that here are these people that are there. It's a second home kind of community for a lot of the Alabama region, Atlanta, Kansas City, Dallas, New Orleans. But it's that deep south, and I'll tell you that that southern hospitality is alive and well. And they loved our wines. They loved Stacy and I, and so they would and they would step up and buy our wines. And it wasn't you know some sometimes you go places you know, and if you're not Napa, you're kind of that other child, you know. And down there, they love us and they love the wine just like the top wines of Napa. And it's really, really heartwarming and very, very you know feels so good and it's so nice and against that southern hospitality and so we were with some of those friends actually in napa a few weeks ago 
and uh, they hurried home to get there before the hurricane, and they ended up staying with friends in New Orleans that we know. But luckily, Destin was spared. They were that kind of, you know, about 75 miles away from that epicenter you saw on the news. So they they had a lot of, you know, tarps blown around in the streets and things like that and a lot of rain, but really no damage. So they, they kind of dodged that bullet. So they're, they're doing okay. So I think when we go down there in April, everything's going to be uh, and look just wonderful. And uh, as Stacey and I always say, one of the best things about going to Destin is there's nothing like getting out of Seattle at the, around the end of April. <laughs> Okay, we've never asked you this question, but I figured, why not? How did the two of you meet? <laughs> How have we not ever covered that? It's funny. Well, wine was probably involved. Uh, charity was probably involved. So um, prior to meeting Greg, both of us were very involved in the philanthropic world. So a mutual friend, Ken Hatch, who... Rest in peace, Mr. Hatch. He actually connected us, and it was one of his proudest things. His wife, uh, his his widow, mentioned to me recently that he was always so proud of connecting Greg and I together. But he introduced us at a charity luncheon for uh, celebrity waiters. I happened to be a waitress that year at a table that was a Moulin Rouge theme, and Greg was a guest at another table. And so we were introduced, and we just hit it off, and... The rest is history. Stacy, as a server waitress at a Moulin Rouge event, Greg Lill is there, and the rest is history, right? Yeah, yeah, it really is. Yeah, no, it was. It was funny. He introduced me. You know, she's got these these fishnet stockings and this so this this whole can can outfit out. I'm kind of and you know done up makeup, and I'm going like, yeah, well, yeah, she, I could see she yeah, she's a, she's definitely a pretty gal, but I don't know if this is my style, you know. And then I met her at the after party where she had changed, and then she was definitely my style, and um, literally. Um, Went out about uh, two weeks after that, and we've been dating ever since. So it's been a uh, thank you, Ken Hatch, for introducing us. That's for sure. Are we still dating or are we married? That's right. That's right. We're married now. Yeah. It's always good to those still be dating, though, right? I mean, you've got to keep proving it, right? It, well, it's, it feels like we're still dating. So after, you know, oh after 16 years, it uh, feels pretty good. Yeah, so we may be editing some of that uh, part out, but anyway. Oh, no, 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 no. It's all staying in. Hey, the two of you, congratulations on everything. And, I mean, what's exciting is that, you know, you've already accomplished so much, but it feels like there's so much more with the vineyards, more wines. I mean, it's like, okay, it's almost, I want to say maybe this kind of this rebirth, you know, of, of everything you're doing, right? I think that Greg and I both are creative. As Greg mentioned, he came from a very entrepreneurial background with his parents, and I've always just had an entrepreneurial spirit. So he and I are always thinking and coming up with ideas, and our trip to Napa really just gave us a lot of new inspiration. Not that we needed it, but we are super excited about what's to come, and we just hope that we can accomplish it all in this lifetime because we have some really fun things in the works. Oh, they sure do. It's going to be fun to watch two of the best people in the wine business share the next exciting chapter in their lives. We're looking forward to joining Greg and Stacy at the Destin Charity Wine Auction in April. I hear that's an amazing event. Uh, we'll also support the Staglin family. Their 25th anniversary music festival for brain health is coming up in September. And Greg Lill has been involved in that event since the very beginning. Want to thank Greg and Stacy for spending time with us, and thank you for the download. More next time on Vintage. Vintage is a presentation of Feedback Media. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved.